This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Back once again, episode 18 and rolling along as we look at the 22 board continue to expand. And since we last did a podcast, the Wolverines have also picked up a commitment, one that I think that you guys could kind of see coming, right? I know, Steve, you were on top of it when Marlon Klein made his his trip up to Ann Arbor during the dead period and kind of read the tea leaves a bit to kind of see that maybe he was going to jump into the fold, and that's exactly what he did as Marlon Klein is now another member of Michigan's recruiting class. Steve Lorenz, Bryce Marich, how are you guys doing? And I can't remember which of you guys called it first for Marlon Klein, so I'll give you joint credit. <laughs> for predicting that Marlon Klein was going to enter the fold for the maize and blue. No worries on that. I'll, I'll gladly split it uh, with Bryce there. I, um, after talking to him, it was clear as day to me that Michigan led wasn't a hundred percent sure a commitment was necessarily imminent, but definitely good enough for a crystal ball at that point. Like I said, I think a couple episodes ago, I'd mentioned a guy that the first kid I've ever heard say, that he noticed that other schools started to show more interest after Michigan got involved really early. And that, that kind of stood out to me. So big pickup for them actually had the game winning touchdown catch for his high school team on Friday night. Don't know what his full statistics were, uh, but really a, a primarily receiving threat out of the tight end position and a guy that, you know, this is one we can go back and say, we said he was a top target the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a top two or three guy at the position, regardless of ranking, on their board in the class. So can't do much better than that to start out, uh, you know, for, for Sharon Moore at tight end. We assume they're going to take a second this cycle, finally. They've kind of wanted to the last couple cycles, but hasn't really worked out. Um, this is a cycle I think they're best positioned to take, too, and I think they're strongly aiming to do so. And Bryce, you, again, joint credit. You get it, too, as you called Marlon Klein in class as well. When you get to talking to a kid, you can kind of get that sense of feeling of Michigan's in it more than others. Um, he's a kid that's been in contact with Michigan even before the pandemic. I mean, it was one of those things where Sharon Moore was on him nonstop. Uh, he's a guy, like Steve said, was a top target for them for the longest time. And I was told he's a guy that Michigan looks at as like the Thomas Fedone of the 2022 class. They look at his potential as that high. He's from Germany. Um, so he's only played, I want to say four years. So he's still raw. He's still developing and he's a big ball of clay. They can mold at six, six two fifteen. So they're really excited. And I think oh, again, fast start to another recruiting class in 2022. We got to get your, your Italian down Fedoni, Fedoni. You got to get the Fedoni in there. You're about to go see Graducci. You got to get it down, Bryce. You got to be Jean ready, Marie. man. Jean Marie. <laughs> Jean Marie. That's Jean French. Marie. That's French, man. We can't ah. we can't go mixing up the languages either, man. Come ah. on, Bryce. Jean, Jean Marie. <laughs> we got to get you together, man. It'll work out. It'll work out, Bryce. We're bringing you along. I'm proud of you. Proud of how you ah. did out there in the city. You came home from the city of sin, and you didn't even sin a whole lot. So I'm I'm proud of you 
for that. But to, for Marlon Klein for a minute, guys, what stuck out to me, did you guys catch what what Steve Wilfong wrote about him? Steve, so Steve caught up with uh, Bjorn. See, now I got to get my, my German down. Is it Werner? Bjorn Werner, a former All-American uh, from Florida State. And so he's from Germany, too, and he had Marlon Klein in a camp over there. And this is a guy who went on to be a first-round draft pick, All-American uh, guy. And he said when he saw Marlon Klein in that camp before he made his way stateside, he knew he was a guy, number one. And number two, he said, you know who he compares to? Travis Kelsey. He compared this kid athletically as 6'6", 215, pass-catching ability to Travis Kelsey. Now, a high school version. He has to develop. He didn't say he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey. But, Steve, I think what it speaks to is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, uh, specifically when it comes to the early evals for Michigan. Michigan saw in this kid very early on, obviously, that he has really, really significant upside. And here you have a former pro saying the same thing. Yeah, and a shout-out to Travis Kelsey. Hopefully he can uh, get me the 3-0 and tonight uh, in Monday Night Football. <laughs> Uh, but, but but along the same lines, actually, it's funny that Travis Kelsey was the guy that that Werner mentioned uh, because that's kind of who Michigan has also said. Now, I don't know if that's because I'm sure they've talked to Bjorn Werner about Marlon at some point because he's the one responsible for bringing him over. But uh, Kelsey Gronk is kind of the comparison that Michigan has made to Klein. And it's one of the things that he had mentioned to me uh, when I talked to him. So fits. You know, so both uh, both his mentor and Michigan both kind of see him in that light. And <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, again, can't really do any better to start high ceiling. We've we've seen it more and more at the college game. You look at what Kyle Pitts did this weekend for Florida. You see what Eric Gilbert did in his first ever college game for LSU. Tight end is becoming more and more of an important position at the college level. And, and in Michigan to get a guy they look at as maybe the most high ceiling player in the class. Uh, like I said, great start for them. And uh, he's a guy I'm really excited to see how his film pans out this year. I think you're going to see a lot of development. Uh, he's worked hard to get bigger. He's got a lot of room to get bigger. So uh, it'll be, I think his development will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, see, we got to get our pronunciations down. So I was told that his school is Rayburn Gap Nakuchi. Rayburn Gap Nakuchi. Now, I wanted to make sure that I said that right because I did. You know, when we talked about Nolan Rucci, I said that he was from Latitz, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and his mom and dad laughed at me and said, that's wrong. It's Lititz. It looks like Latitz when you see it, right? But it's, yeah, no, it, it's, it's Lititz. This yeah. actually is Nakuchi. Nakuchi. Right. Rayburn Gap Nakuchi. So we will make it down to Rayburn Gap Nakuchi to see Marlon Klein, Michigan commitment. Now, let's switch gears. And get to a topic that we've uh, touched on, it feels like, a couple of times in the last few podcasts, and that's corner recruiting. And especially worthy of note, Steve, was a young man that you touched on the other day who's committed to Florida State. And we've been saying that, look, he's yes, he's committed to Florida State, but it is not over. His recruitment is not dead. He has maintained contact with Michigan. And that's the kid from Lehigh Acres, Omarion Cooper. I don't. I don't think anybody is solid. Got to be a hundred percent solid to Florida True. State after after Saturday's performance. You know, we actually thought <clears throat> the Knolls would be 
Michigan's biggest competition for Klein, actually, because of Werner. Uh, but really, you know, hard to imagine you're a corner, anybody right now putting 100% into the Seminoles, which, you know, could be to Michigan's gain, obviously. You know, I talked to Cooper a little bit over the weekend. He said he's talked to Michigan nearly every day, uh, led by Brown and Zordich, who have, you know, constantly been pumping the, the man-to-man aggressive defense. They like to play on the outside. He likes the idea of doing that. And uh, then Andrew Ivins, our newly named, he's a Miami insider, but now he's kind of our de facto Southeast guy, actually talked to Cooper last night, published a piece this morning, basically reiterating it. It looks like if that Michigan is probably the biggest threat to flip him from the Seminoles. So props to the staff for kind of keeping on the right guy. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, Florida State situation under Mike Norvell has been off to a rough start to say the least. I mean, he wasn't even able to be there to coach them on Saturday because he was tested positive for COVID. Uh, you know, the their, our Florida State site, our guys do a great job there. Their board was a fun read on Sunday morning. I always like to do that when teams get blown out, uh, check out the board in the morning, and, and it was crazy. So, you know, Michigan, yeah, going to stay on Cooper as they have. And really, you know, the more Florida State struggles, the more you got to feel at least better about Michigan's eventual chances in that one. Yeah, just a consistent contact. And my my understanding is it's not just Michigan reaching out to him, that he initiates a lot of the contact as well. And when you have, you know, reciprocity like that, where it's not always the school initiating contact and always chasing, always chasing, always chasing, that the kid is actively, you know, assisting in the, you know, the the nurturing of the contact, the continuation of the contact. That is absolutely huge. Now, I know he's close with his, uh, really close with his family. I mean, the, the concern has to be, you know, can you get him up? Can you get him up? And can, you know, those those dead period visits that have, Michigan has a really good hit rate with those, right? With with dead period visits. We'll see if it works out with George Rooks in that way. Uh, but a high percentage, even if they don't get George Rooks, when a kid makes it here for a dead period visit, uh, you know, that that guy, you know, his interest is really, at the very least, sincere. So that's kind of the the measure there, Bryce. Uh, as you you roll the dice here in, in 21, you look at some of the other guys. I, I wonder if Omarion Cooper is their best shot, even though he's committed, uh, because you look at other guys like a kid you just you just saw uh, in Sierra Wright. He, he's uncommitted. Michigan's high on his list, but... The more things go along, man, the more I just feel like he's probably going to stay on the West Coast. He was one of the main guys I saw in Arizona, um, 6'1", I want to say 175. He's the only guy that could stay in front of Christian Dixon, who had a fabulous 7-on-7 when I went to go see him. So fits the bill to a team, what they want to do, man-to-man on the outside. Kind of reminds me of David Long, who he touched on, came from the same school. He said, you know, I've talked with David about Michigan. I've trained with him before. He's really talked to me about just the path. And he told me about how Zorich is. He's a straight shooter. He's going to tell you if you're doing good or if you're not. And so Sierra and his dad appreciate that about Coach Zorich, who they've been in constant contact with. But, you know, the thing with him is, and I really got the sense from talking with his dad, pulling him from the West Coast is going to be a lot tougher. And especially if you can't get him on a visit. They want to take a visit. They've thought about potentially trying to visit 
if there's fans and they could come to a game and sit in the stands just as fans, I don't know if that's going to be allowed right now. No one's allowed it at any of the Big Ten games, so that's going to be tough on them. But they still want to make a visit. He's got an acting career. He's get like Steve said, he's going to be in Space Jam too. I gave my pitch to him, maybe to get a role in there for the Space Jam three. Who knows? Um, <laughs> what role? Know, would, what what role would you sh- play, Bryce? What do you want to play? I mean, shoot, there's Michael, LeBron. There's going to be me. So they got they got to have a third, oh, right? <laughs> Yeah, skip right over Duncan Robinson. Right, yeah. I mean, we still haven't seen. We still haven't seen your your challenge, your three point challenge with Duncan Robinson, who's in the NBA Finals. He's Uh, a little busy. I'll give I'll give him a I'll give him a pass. But if you could just if you could just beat Nick in the three point shooting contest, because you you challenge him too, Nick Stauskas. You challenge you challenge Duncan Robinson, Nick Stauskas, and Spike Albrecht to a three point shooting contest. And I haven't seen a date. Haven't heard about a date yet. So we can see this wet jump shot you say you have. You got you got the context. I don't got the context for them. You got to set that up. That's going to have to be well, a can we at least, Insider special. So, so if I want to issue this challenge, I at least need some video. Can we get some, like some Facebook oh, yeah. Live are you shooting so I can show it to them? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, how long you want it? 10 minutes, 15? It could be like Imani Bates when Evan Daniels went to see him. Make like 100 out of 100. I could do it. Okay. All right. Well, we shall see, but, Bryce. Back to Sierra. He's, you know, the thing with him is it looks like USC, Stanford, Oregon are really on him right now. I think, and again, from talking with his dad, the senses, the West Coast school seemed the best because he's been out there. He's got connections, but he's simply been out there. If Michigan can't get him on campus, it's just going to be a tough pull. That's with a lot of these kids. That's with Cooper and that's with many others. See, here's the feel that I'm getting, though, and I I wonder if you guys are with this. I, I think that Michigan offers a great deal that's appealing to him. The academics, uh, he mentioned the athletic academic balance. But one of the things that I'm gleaning from USC being so high is just how significant a piece the acting side of this is, the acting side of his his decision is. Because SC, there's no stability. I mean, how could you be confident that Clay Helton is going to be the head coach at SC for the entirety of your career? I mean, the guy's on the hot seat every year. This is one team. Now, again, there's no – I'm not saying that there's a silver lining to a pandemic. But I don't think SC folks are complaining about their non-conference schedule being wiped off. I mean, you you look at their their condensed schedule now. I mean, SC could go 6-1, and 7-0. and oh. You know, it, it could look a lot better than it would have looked had they played a full season where there are a lot of people questioning whether Clay Hayton is – Clay Helton is going to be the guy there long term. Now, I think Dante Williams is an outstanding coach, an outstanding recruiter. He just got there, and you can also already feel his presence making a making the jump over from Oregon out there. Uh, but again, if the head coach isn't going to be there, then are his assistants? So these are the questions. I'm not saying that that is definitely in the atmosphere that we know Clay Helton won't be the coach. I'm just saying that if I'm thinking about it, if I'm thinking about sort of weighing all the schools in the equation. So Oregon, Well, Michigan. I will add this. I will add this. He did say when I asked him about the acting, he did say, I actually want to go into business. He said, I want to look more into business than the acting. acting. Yes, I want to look. And yes. So he wants to look 
look into business schools more than acting. Um, he's okay. going to look into acting, you know, the theater schools. But if he had to pick one, he said business is going to be the one. Well, see, so that, that should help yeah, with that, Michigan. That helps Michigan significantly if that's the case. Because if, if film, and let's say it's even equal to football. I mean, USC's film school is... Yeah. you know, nationally world <laughs> renowned. I mean, it's, that's it's where people Hollywood. go. Yeah. That's Hollywood. That's, that's where people, right. yeah. <laughs> that's where people go. When you, when you talk about film school, right? So I get it. I get it. If, if SC, if, if that's a major part of the appeal, if that causes him to look past some of the questions that exist with football. And again, maybe those questions that are out there about football will be moot. Maybe they'll go away if SC has, you know, has a really good season, which they could have with this condensed schedule. But just the more I talk to people out there, the more I hear that that piece of it is so significant. And then we just had a couple of our experts put in crystal balls for for SC, right? Not, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 is part of why they did so. So between him. This the irony is between Sierra Wright and the committed guy, Omarion Cooper. I'm actually feeling like they might have a better shot at Omarion Cooper at this point because the the contact is just so consistent. And then, as you pointed out, Steve, Florida State is already not doing well. And you had first you had players speaking out against the coach, saying that he wasn't really listening and taking their social justice concerns to heart lying about it according to the players according to marvin wilson they have since buried that hatchet but they didn't look like a they didn't look like a well-oiled machine to your point so it just lends itself to to maybe being in a little bit better shape with omarion now all of us guys when we heard that michigan was on kamari lassiter from from tuscaloosa i think i said at the time you know going to alabama and pulling out a kid that both Alabama and Auburn have offered, I, I you know, there are easier things in the world, right? <laughs> easier things in the world to try to date Beyonce, right? That's what that feels like. Try to go down to Alabama and offering a kid after both of those schools have. It's different with, with Nico. I feel like Michigan got on Nico before those schools moved on Nico, if I remember it correctly. So they kind of established a relationship uh, and a courtship beforehand, before he became really hot in Alabama circles. I mean, Kamari Lasseter is already all, I mean, you got Bama, you got Auburn, you got Clemson. That's a tall order, Steve. And it's, it's not getting any shorter. Let's just put it that way. It's kind of one of those, why did they offer this guy? type moves if we're being honest i mean it's just seemed not saying it's a waste of resources i guess but at the same time you know it's one thing that they've offered those schools down south have offered but they actually like they want him too. you know they could be a situation in some instances where those schools offer early maybe they fill up maybe they back off a little bit and it can open the door for Mich- michigan to come in but yeah auburn and alabama still after the guy clemson who offers like nobody offered him so you know that they're probably still interested it's like yeah, you know, I like you said, like Cooper, you know, like I said, just stick to the guys that you think you can get. Like he's probably Cooper's probably telling him, you know, save me from Florida State from from the being in this class. You know, it's like uh, but with Lassiter, I just yeah, that those are sometimes there's a couple every cycle uh, where you're kind of like, 
nah, yeah, you know, you don't even really want to report it because it's like, yeah, not going to, not, nothing's really going to happen here probably. So Bryce, you, you got any hope for, for Kamari Lassiter? As much hope as Nick's got against me. Not much. Not much. But no, if I had to rank them again. You know what? I'm going to put, put that on Twitter. I'm going to take that clip and I'm going to tweet it at Nick Stauskas. You ready for that? Let's go. Okay. But they- if, I had to rank, I, if I had to rank the court and cornerback board right now, most likely to least likely, he'd be at the bottom with then I'd say Sierra second. And then first is Amari and Cooper. Um, like we've addressed and laid out, he just seems like the most he's in contact with them the most. It's a dumpster fire, it sounds like, with Florida State. Lots going wrong down there. So we can see what's going to happen. But, again, I think, again, with him and with Wright, it's just going to come down to if they can get a visit. You know, right. it's tough to get a commitment from these guys. And even if you do get a commitment, it's like a Jaden Hood or um, McBurrows. You know, they're committed, but sometimes fans and others are worried because how strong is it if you haven't seen the school yet? Right. So that's all. that's something to know as well. Got to keep an eye too, real quick on just a new name, prop maybe popping up at some point too. I feel like corners a, a position where late bloomers are relatively common. We saw it with Vincent Gray a couple cycles ago. You know, Michigan's probably keeping their eyes out because there's no way they're only going to sign one guy. Mm. You know, so they you know they're going to at least take two, even with some of the guys in 22 that they look like they're in solid shape with. So that's always another thing to keep an eye on, but. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, even with a verbal to Florida State, you got to think that Cooper's their best shot as things stand right now. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. All right, so let's do this. Let's uh, let's pause for the cause, take a break here, and then we'll come back on the other side. And, Bryce, you had an opportunity to see firsthand, to see live, two of the top 2022 prospects on the board uh, at the corner position for the Maze and Blue. So we'll pick things up there and talk about the connection that they have to a corner. It's already on Michigan's roster. So we'll pick that up on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. And we're back. So, Bryce, you went out to Arizona, and it was a worthwhile trip, to say the least. Is Obviously, you saw Sierra Wright. You saw the Michigan commitments in Xavier Worthy and Christian Dixon. But two of the top prospects on the 2022 board, Damani Jackson, Larry Turner Gooden, Let's start off first talking about Damani, who I, we all agree, one of the best pro- prospects in that class, regardless of position, a guy who would be in the top 100 in this class, in the 20 class. I mean, he would be one of the top 100, one of the top 10 corners in the country right away. He could play college football next year if he wanted to. And he looked that way, sounds like to me, when you saw him out there in Arizona. 6'1", 185, just built. I mean, he looked like a linebacker, like a guy that could just fly. But at the same time, you watched him cover, and he's just locking guys up like wet on rice. So, I mean, they were getting no separation. It was really impressive. And when I think of the word elite, he's it. I mean, he's got all the tools, all the traits. He's got a high football IQ. He's got everything you're looking for in a football player. And it makes sense why the whole country is basically after him. He, how, he um, however, has named a top 10. Michigan's in that top 10. I've asked him, you know, kind of, are you looking at other schools even? He said, listen, I got my top 10. I'm going to stick with that top 10. So that's good to know. 
Michigan's in it in terms of pops. He's a big Michigan fan from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, you know, they've he grew up watching Michigan. He said Anthony Carter, um, Desmond Howard. He said all those guys. He said when I was watching, Michigan was winning. It wasn't Ohio State. You know, he said I had to explain that to Domani. He said, listen, I know they're winning right now, but it was Michigan at the time dominating Ohio State. So, um, you know, they got that connection there. Also, Darian Green Warren, you know, he played for ground zero, the seven on seven team that Domani is with. That's a guy that when Darian was at modern day before transferring, took Domani under the wing. That's something that they noticed they really appreciated. And that's a guy they really like to the fact of when he was moving in, they had scheduled a visit around when he was moving into Ann Arbor. They had to cancel because of the pandemic, but they had planned They had he told me pops had told me we bought the plane tickets he said i did get my money back but he said we had to cancel last second because of just what happened so that's something you know that's happened and he again he's a guy that michigan really likes jim harbaugh has personally been recruiting him he's the main guy recruiting him but you have the whole staff zordage don brown all of them they're all saying listen you're a guy that we can plug and play right away, like you said, Sam. He's an instant impact player. And from watching him, I could see that as well. Yeah, you you mentioned the connection with Darion and his family and, and wanting to kind of schedule the visit around move-in. There's already conversations. If they allow families in the stands, it's like, hey, we'll pay our own way. Maybe we can come to the game with you guys and be a part of your party. Now, again, we are a long way away from knowing if fans will be allowed in the stands, and if there are fans allowed in the stands, then how many? How many will be allowed? Uh, so there, there are a number of hurdles to get over, but it'll be interesting to watch because you, you guys mark my words. Fans are in the stands, and in, in some of these, some of these stadiums, you're going to see recruits showing up in in the stands. Maybe not as invited guests, but they'll get their hands on tickets and be able to watch the games, and so. That's one of the advantages that these schools with fans in the stands are going to have over schools that don't have fans in the stands. So we can hope that Michigan, at least in some capacity, at least as far as it relates to recruiting, provided that they deem it safe enough that, that, you know, they wind up having fans in the stands and that some some recruits can take advantage of that opportunity as well, Steve. But I know you're high on Damani's talent too. So I just looked it up because I want to make sure Derek Stingley at LSU, 6'1", 188. Bryce just said Domani Jackson, 6'1", 185. Kind of the guy I thought of when I think of Domani Jackson's game as being that big of an impact that quickly. So it's about as that's really all I could put it at. You know, Derek Stingley, five-star, I thought was the top one or two prospects in that class, in the class that he was recruited in. I know Michigan felt the same way, even though, you know, they never really had a shot. I mean, he's from Baton Rouge. Uh, this one a little bit different, obviously, but to me, bona fide five star kid, like Sam said, could could come in and play next year, really, if if he was uh, physically ready, which we we know he is. Bryce has seen him now, and and he's definitely physically there. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he has not. He told you he's going to be narrowing his list in November, right, Bryce? And so, Around his birthday. Yep. Yeah. So yep. you know, Michigan guaranteed to make that cut. There are a couple other schools. Just my feel for it. Again, this is not attributing this to this is just my read on the situation. A couple other schools that I think will make it. SC, of course. SC all over them. Sounds like they feel like they're looking really good for them early. 
ordinarily that would be that would be really really discouraging but because as you said i mean dad's a youngstown native has watched you know, zordich for for years you say anyone from youngstown knows mike zordich you know he went on uh, not only to play at a high level uh, at penn state and then of course going on to the uh, this is the National Football League. But he said, you know, watching Zordich's son develop at Penn State, and he was a great player. He said, I could tell by the way he coaches his son why, or the way his son plays, how he coached his son, and how that same thing is translating to the players that he coaches in college. So that is a, a real big factor. And the fact that they were Michigan fans already, I mean, Dad, as you mentioned, a lifelong Michigan fan, he won the battle, the in-family battle. Mom's an Ohio State grad. <laughs> so <laughs> She is. She is. So, she, did not, she did not want to talk to me. Right, it's all right. Right. Yeah, mom's in <laughs> Ohio. She, she's Buckeye all the way. But he wound up siding with Michigan. So that that is a significant thing that if you're the Wolverines, you add that with Darion's presence. Uh, gives the Wolverines reason to not be discouraged that he's so high on SC. So they'll be in it, I'm pretty sure. And here's a dark horse, Arizona State. Arizona. So the, uh, Arizona. the other quick thing I want to just add on top of that too, real quick, is we talked about this again, aggressive recruiting and how Michigan seems to be really aggressive for the junior prospects. His dad pointed that out to me saying, listen, it's something that we've noticed. We've taken, you know, a lot, we've seen all the attention and love from them. And it's something that, it means a lot to us that Michigan has made that effort and it's going to pay off, you know, in terms of their standing. And like you said, with that cut, they're probably going to make the cut one because that um, fandom towards the school, but also because they're putting in the effort. And so that's something, like you said, you know, I heard in the past, maybe they haven't done that with juniors before, but I'm seeing that now. So I just wanted to really quickly add that in to show that Michigan, the staff is really putting in work during this pandemic. Yeah, and the very last thing on on Damani before we move on to talking about the, um, you know, sort of talking about the uh, Larry Turner Gooden recruitment is I think Arizona State will be another team, kind of a dark horse, if you will, to, to look out for and to really keep an eye on uh, because, you know, you mentioned ground zero. You, you mentioned how tight the guys from that program uh they are well they're you know their their coach their head guy uh coach hawkins his son is an assistant at arizona state yep. so you got chris hawkins there who's always going to keep arizona state keep asu locked in on those ground zero guys and i think that they are going to be a dark horse factor in there to to monitor to keep an eye on but again that that shouldn't discourage you you Michigan fans watching that recruitment, Michigan is going to be in there. And if I'm the Wolverines, what I'm pushing is, you know, the contrast with Mike Zordich. Here you have Mike Zordich who's been in the game, been in, played the game, coached the game. He's a seasoned vet. You know, I tell, I, I tell my oldest son, man, I'm not your friend. You know, I'm your dad first, and then hopefully we can be friends when I'm when I'm when, when you're out the house. And so that's that's kind of coming along, right? I think the the same dynamic and the reason why I bring this up is that was what sold Darion's family. Is that here you have Zordich who is a straight, no chaser, no nonsense 
I'm I'm coach slash dad figure before I'm friend figure. And that dynamic plays with some more than others. You know, for, for some guys, the friend piece before coaching piece works. It works to the advantage that, hey, I'm close to you in age, so I relate to you better. And that can be a, a real selling point. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm saying that if I am if I'm pitching myself and I'm Michigan and I'm trying to to put forth what advantages you'd have being coached by me is that look at my track record, look at how seasoned I am, and look at how I get down. I don't sugarcoat a thing. What what you see is what you get. I coach you hard and look at what that look at what that's done for the guys that I've coached hard in the past. That's the I think the pitch. And it's one that I don't think will be lost on Damani Jackson. I don't think it'll be lost on Larry Turner Gooden either, Bryce, based on what you found out when you were out there. So, you know, Damani and his family have that Youngstown connection just from his dad being there. Well, Larry's family actually has more of a connection on top of that. They actually, Larry's uh, dad, um, they have six kids in the family. And one of the older brothers actually played for Zordich at Youngstown State when he was the coach there. Um, and when I talked to Pops again and Larry, they both said, listen, my older brother said, Coach George, that was my guy. That was the guy that I looked at. I looked at a father figure. He was just there all the time I needed him. And so going into this recruitment, when they offered him Zordich uh, with Larry, they actually didn't know this, um, that he was related and stuff like that with his older brother's Julius Childs. So he wasn't sure, you know, when, and then they found out that connection and it just Boom, it just the light bulb went off. So in terms of again player wise though, Steve hinted at it, I think, at one of these earlier podcasts. Borderline five star player. <laughs> just seeing him in person. I was like, whoa, this guy's got that. He's just got that it factor. You know, you just watch him. You're like, this guy, he's just got it. You know, and I see why Michigan's after him so much. And one of the things that really stuck out with me when talking to Larry. As he said, you know, going through this and seeing my older brother go through this recruiting process, you see who the real and fake schools are. And he said, Michigan, especially with Zordich there, they're one of the real ones. So this is out of all the schools, or I mean, out of all the guys I talked to and saw, I think this is the guy that Michigan fans should really pay attention to in terms of possibly landing. Even more so than than Damani? It's it's close. I, I mean, they really, really talked up this relationship with Coach Zordich. It's a big deal. It's one of those that it's going to really get Michigan towards the top. So it's something to really watch there. Yeah, and I know, Steve, you you called him. He said, this is a five-star guy. You didn't, you know, Bryce, you said borderline. Steve, you didn't throw the borderline there. You said five-star all the way. Five-star. Dominant. Pops. I always look at a guy who, like, I could show my mom his film and you would, you know what I mean? Like late layman, the layman right. uh, could just watch the film and see like, okay, this guy's way, way better than the guys that he's playing against. You know? And I think he was, is he, is he still at Calabasas? I think that's where he was, um, was a great, you know, big program, obviously in Southern California. So basically what I'm getting at, he's played against some legit competition mm-hmm. too. Uh, not a deal where he's playing against, uh, sisters of the poor, or however you want to describe a bad team, but uh, but no, to me, definite. Fi- I thought he was a five star the first time I watched him, uh, and then I think Bryce, we had talked a little bit before we got on. Uh, 
I look at him as a two-way guy too. Uh, maybe even a three-way, like a, I'm not saying he is Jabril, but a guy you could throw on special teams too. And a guy that would make some plays in that aspect as well. So um, yeah, you're right. Knowing now that's the value of going to see him is this a guy we're probably not talking enough about. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you consider so- the you consider the connection now, but even just the 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 caliber of prospect he is as well. Hey, you so, know, as a so, guy that Hey, hey Bryce, can you go to can you go to Larry Turner Gooden's profile page real quick? Can you do that? I need you to go to his profile page and tell me what if his I got to pronounce the what, school. What does it say for, if, about his hometown? Well, maybe maybe you can see. Maybe, I want to. I just want to see how you pronounce this. Can you see this on the? Is this showing up? It is not even showing up on. Uh, what does it say? What does see. that say? I can see it. Play. Wait, wait, Play say, Del Rey. Say what now? I don't know. Say it again. Say Play it again. Del, Play at Del Rey. <laughs> Listen. I knew he was. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Playa Del Rey, Bryce. Playa. He don't matter. Play. He can, you know what? He can play. That's all I know. He can play. <laughs> hey, this I love podcast. you, Bryce. You know, you know, I love you, man. I, I love you. I just, I said, but let me see. I know how Bryce is gonna pronounce this because you're a player, right? Or at least you used to be a player. You used to be a player, so I knew you were gonna phonetically, you were gonna say it that way. But Playa Del Rey, Saint Bernard. Uh, is the high school there, Steve, that he he goes to, formerly from Calabasas, as you said. But another thing, Bryce, that you uncovered that I think is a little-known fact is that Dad is really cool with Russell Shaw. Now, for if you know your, your Michigan history, Russell Shaw is one of maybe two or three JUCO guys that I know to come to Michigan in the past 30, 40 years. I mean, it just doesn't. Happened, but he was a JUCO transfer and a starting wide receiver on that 97 championship team. And dad is really cool with, with Russell Shaw. And that Cali circuit, man, is is really tight. The football circuit out west is really tight. So you got you got dad, uh, you know, one of the brothers who who knows who knows Zordich from his time going to Youngstown State. You got them all knowing Darion. You know, the, the parents are all cool with Darion's parents as well. And that brings me to that, this other connection, the Darion factor for him too, for Larry Turner Gooden as well. How he does his progression here in Ann Arbor, I think is a big deal. Because he's kind of like the plug, right? You know, a guy from the program, he, he leaves the West Coast makes it to Ann Arbor, goes to play for a coach who's no-nonsense, who's grinded out, who's in your face. These dads, these parents, they really talk about what they're looking for in a coach. And so to hear what Darion is saying about his experience, you know, he made the honor roll, for instance. That's been a big deal, getting to 3.8 in his first semester on campus. Big, big deal for him. So how he progresses you know how his reaction to to Zordich, his experience at Michigan. That's another factor I think in the courtship for these Cali guys. It's another reason why you should feel optimistic about Michigan in the early going because Zordich was absolutely, absolutely a selling point in the Darion Green Warren recruitment. I think you guys remember him talking uh, effusive, you know, effusive in his praise of of Zordich even with him being the no-nonsense guy, but I think I said on a, pre, on a prior podcast, 
Dad said, man, I want to I want a coach that's going to be Darion's coach, not his friend. He needs to be his coach first, then his friend. You want him to have a good relationship, one based on respect, but coach be hard first, we'll be friends second. And that that's how it works for some, not all, certainly how it works for Darion. So I know you guys got to agree. Be really fascinating to see Zordich get his hands on talent of this level. I mean, he's recruited some really good guys in the past. Don't get me wrong, but Jackson, Turner Gooden, I know we've mentioned Will Johnson, obviously is going to be sort of the Donovan Edwards of the 22 cycle, probably Uh, Jalen Gould, uh, Fabian Ross. You know, it's like, it'd be really fun uh, to see Zordich get to kind of work with these guys when we know how well he's done or how well he's produced at a, a past defense with kind of the guys that he's had, which, like I said, they've recruited, they've recruited well, they usually get the guys they want, but these are like, these are those like guys, that the LSU's pull in a hall like this every year, you know, they bring in two or three of these guys every year, Ohio state's kind of done sort of the same thing. You know, Michigan's never really had that, that huge hall at cornerback. I think it's really the one position where they've never gotten, you know, those three or four top 100 guys in one cycle, you know, so it'd be fascinating to see, you know, what Zordich could do with, with just day one talent like that and not have to, you know, not saying have to, but take guys that take a couple of years to get where Michigan wants them to be. Hey guys. Uh, so Jaden Gould, this is the thing that really is, is, you know, kind of intriguing about that class is that, you know, the, another top corner, that they're one of the favorites for. So like you said, Steve, it's not always the case that Michigan is on, you know, top, upper, top 10 guys, this many of them. But in this class, Turner Gooden, Damani Jackson, and Jaden Gould, Michigan is at or near the top for all those guys. Yeah, I mean, you could, they're still in it. I, I don't know if Isaac Thompson is necessarily a cornerback for them, a uh, four-star out of St. Louis. But <clears throat> I know, Bryce, I know both you guys would agree. I mean, this, this is... The, this is by far these are the most big names that they've been on or been in on at cornerback the that I can remember by a long shot too. Like I said, we're talking about Domani and Will Johnson have kind of been the two guys we've talked the most about. But you know, you you throw Turner Good in there, who like I said, we I think we all agree five star caliber player. Jalen Gould's a fascinating one too. He's he's large. Uh, I don't know if he's a guy that could maybe would end up playing safety, but if he's if he's quick enough and and fluid enough to play corner. I mean, he becomes a super intriguing prospect as well. Um, so, and that's how you there's other guys too. Uh, you Will know, you Johnson. mentioned Ross was and Will Johnson. Yep. yep. Fabian Ross too. Like we'd already kind of said. And um, like I said, not sure with Isaac Thompson, if he's a corner or a safety, I know Shoop has kind of been the, the head man in that one, but either way, cannot remember Michigan being in on this many elite. What I would say are definite elite guys uh, at the cornerback position. We shall see how it all works out. We'll be seeing more of these guys. We'll see Will this year. We'll see uh, Jaden Gould this year as well. Uh, we'll be bringing all of that to you in the uh, in the coming weeks. One more guy that I want to mention really quickly because I know Newkirk would want me to to mention this. Josh Newkirk, who made it down uh, in his travels this week, he he started out on Friday down in Tennessee. Uh, in a Nashville suburb, Brentwood, to see Ravenwood host IMG Academy uh, before driving up to St. Louis and seeing a number of prospects there just to, you know, kind of get them in in workouts and that kind of thing. But while down in Ravenwood watching, obviously, 
Uh, you got J.J. McCarthy, Greg Crippen, and a host of, of junior targets uh, over on IMG. And then Ravenwood, you got, uh, you got Junior Colson, uh, Michigan linebacker commitment in the 21 class. But he came away talking about a 2022 corner named Miles Pollard. And it, it immediately struck a chord with me because I remember talking to the Ravenwood coach, uh, Matt Daniels, about Junior in the offseason. Uh, just kind of, you know, talking about his talent and where he projected him and why he thought Michigan was looking so good before before Junior committed. And he said, hey, I want to mention another kid to you. I got a kid named Miles Pollard in the 2022 class who is a uh, – he's going to be a big-time corner prospect. He's 6'1", about 180, really, really physical. He already has Kentucky uh, that had offered him. Eventually, Penn State came forward and offered him as well. And his profile is starting to – uh, to really be on the upswing there. And he played really well. I can't remember the Bama commit. Maybe you do, Steve, who who he did really well against from IMG. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ja'Cory Brooks. Yeah. He, he held him to two receptions for like 40 yards. And Bright, and uh, Josh was like, it's not because J.J. You know, was looking to throw it to somebody else. He was, like, he was trying to go to the guy. But Miles Pollard was, was in the dude's grill the whole game. You know, really, really physical. Not a burner, you know, 6'1", 180, probably mid-4.5s to 4.6. To uh, he will hit you, he said, and knock the kid's mouthpiece out on the day. So I don't know if he'll be a guy for Michigan, but you can bet, because you know Michigan had their eyes on that game, right? You, you know they did. You know they watched that game. They're going to look at Miles Pollard. They're going to at least, you know, take a second look at him and eval him to see if he's a guy worthy of – uh, you know, he, if he's a guy that they're going to move up their board uh, some because you you perform that way against a team that good, that's going to get some attention. I think he's going to at least have Michigan's attention a little bit more coming off of that game. But I wanted to turn the kind of the conversation over to you guys a bit and see if there are any 22, 2022 guys that picked up offers recently that kind of really caught your eye. Pollard isn't a guy that's been offered yet, but there have been a lot of offers going out here of late as we should expect in September of this year. Any guys kind of like, wow, that's an interesting offer that they just made there. Yeah, I'll go with Branson Robinson, uh, running back out of Mississippi. Can't remember the name of the town uh, because usually we don't follow up on kids that Michigan offers from Mississippi because they've literally only signed one player out of the state in school history and Jeremy Lesur, if, if fans remember Jeremy Lesur. Uh, but Michigan first offer, for Branson Robinson and funny enough, Michigan offers. And what do you know? The in-state schools kind of take notice. I was actually kind of wondering, uh, you know, if, if a guy like Chris Partridge keeps an eye on who Michigan is still kind of recruiting, <laughs> if that wouldn't maybe, well, Ole Miss was the second school to offer too. Right. And it was less than 24 hours later. And I kind of wonder, you know, they know, he would know that Jay Harbaugh is a really good evaluator at the position and think, you know what? Hey, we probably should throw this kid an offer. Uh, but he picked up Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and I want to say Oregon <clears throat> within a 36-hour period. And his, I mean, his first game film, I want to say he ran for a couple hundred, had a couple touchdowns. Um, man, I mean, again, one of those guys he turned on the film first game this year, and you're like, how did this guy not have any scholarship offers? You know, so we've talked a lot about it, but once again, you know, Michigan seems to kind of found a guy. Uh, that that really looks like a guy who should have had some scholarship offers beforehand. 
we'll see. Like I said, they've only gotten one guy. I think the, the closest they came was Willie Gay uh, yeah. four or five cycles ago, right? That one was like, otherwise in Mississippi, it's it's difficult. You know, like that's, that's a tough state to pull, uh, pull kids out of. Most of them seem to stay, uh, you know, in the South. So we'll see. But that one was intriguing to me just because the other thing, Michigan's offered a lot of guys at back in 22. This is supposed yeah. to be a super, super deep class. And I'm kind of wondering if, if it's kind of a theory here, our guys that rank kids, they're not going to, even if like the 20 top 25 backs in the country were within like the top 300 players in the country, they're never going to be ranked that way. So I wonder if Michigan could try to find sort of a diamond in the rough, even within the guys they've offered as far as, you know, if the guys maybe ranked in the top 100 has got 30 offers, maybe they'll look at that guy just outside of our top two, four, seven, who might just be, be just as good as some of those guys, just because it's such a deep class. So uh, his, it'll be interesting knowing they're the first offer. Uh, we've seen how it's played out before with other guys. We talked about Oscar Delp last week. I don't think there's a similar, I don't think this is a totally similar situation, but being that first offer can always be a really good thing, especially when another bunch of other big schools come knocking on your door uh, immediately afterwards. Hey, I need to come back around and, and, and say, Bryce, look, I was just looking for some company in these mis, you know, to mispronounce that I called lit its litits. So if you call Playa del Rey, Playa del Rey, hey man, join the club. Join the club. I've I've done that as well. But I just knew being the former player that you are that you were. I know you've hung up your, you know, you've hung that that part of your life up. No longer a player, right? Am I am I right in saying that? It's moved on. It's moved on. <laughs> so you've retired from being a player, but I knew that that's how you were going to pronounce it. So again, join the club. I've messed it up too, uh, obviously. Uh, but in this particular instance, we got that pronunciation right. We got Rayburn Gap Nakuchi right. We're on a better path when it comes to our pronunciation. So as far as travels are concerned, I know you just saw Van Summeren. Uh, we are going to be out and about. We have uh, so many more big-time trips planned for you, getting out to see the the uh, the guys live. I, I just want to take a moment to uh, kind of explain the precautions that we take because – you know, Bryce, you, you know this. I was a real stickler when the pandemic first hit, telling you guys we aren't going to travel. We are going to take it easy for a while uh, because we don't know what we don't know what this this looks like. We don't know how it's spread. We don't know how easy it is to catch. There's just too much uncertainty for us to be out there. And then now you step out, you see some of these events, people without masks. You see media members without masks, which I think is reckless when you know when they do, especially when you're doing interviews to to not be masked doing interviews with with guys. So I wanted to have a you know a real plan for how to do this to find out some more things about some more information about the spread of the virus. I feel like we're at a place now where we know how to do this uh, in a safer fashion. We go places with everywhere we go, we're masked up. Bryce, you have the you have the specs, right? The the glasses, the the safety. They aren't goggles. Did they cramp your style too much to wear them? I mean, they weren't too bad, but I don't know if they you know fit my style too much. So, but they it's have. Right. So, so the glasses though. I ordered these glasses that have like it's like a suction a suction cup around the eyes for for protection as well. So the masks, the glasses. You know, we make sure that it, no hand contact if. 
If there is, it's gloves. If, if, if there are no gloves, we got the hand sanitizer that we always carry with us. So we do it in a very safe fashion. Understand that when we talk about travel and the places that we are starting to go again now, because if you know anything about us, we, you know, when it comes to traveling the country, we've been doing that for years, for over 10, you know, going to every satellite camp location from California to Florida to up in the Northeast, all over the place. We've been traveling longer than some guys have been alive. So that being the case, why have we been sort of reluctant to this point? It's called responsibility, making sure that we know how to do this safely. And that's where we are now. So, guys, as we hit the road, and we're going to be hitting it a lot more, understand that when you hear about us being this place and that place and all over the country, that we are taking the necessary precautions to do so safely. We aren't being reckless. We aren't dismissing the, the virus. I don't want anyone to think that we are taking any shortcuts in that regard. We are taking it very, very seriously. As my guy Bryce can attest to, right, what it what was the rule? Hey, if you're somewhere without a mask or glasses, guess what? Got to sit the bench. Can't travel anymore if that's going to be the case. And so, Bryce, obviously not on the bench, right? Not on the bench. Still playing. Ryan, the right playing. Still playing on the field. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, guys, another outstanding podcast. Folks, please help us spread the word. If you like this po- podcast, please be sure to first rate and review it uh, and then tell your friends about it. It's available wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, uh, iTunes. A lot of people really love us on Spotify. Uh, you know, a lot of play, a lot of response on Spotify. So if that's if that's the thing, if that's easier, if that's the easiest platform, tell them to go, get on Spotify and find us. Just uh, search Michigan Insider Podcasts wherever they get their podcasts, and up they will come. We got the Wolverine 247 podcast with with Steve and Zach Shaw. Uh, We have the Michigan Insider or Michigan Basketball Insider podcast that I do with with Tim McCormick. And then, of course, we have this Recruiting Insider podcast. No Josh Hinchke this week as he is otherwise occupied, but he'll be back next week to talk some basketball recruiting. So be sure to tune in for that. We'll focus on Efton Reed, the five-star center. Uh, that Michigan is still in great shape for. Uh, in the meantime, in between time, thanks for listening. Back next week here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider.